Welcome, you're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. Welcome back to the rest of the sermon. We are here. We are here. We are here. Uh, most embarrassing moment you've ever experienced in public with your family. Go. Um, with my family. Uh. Right, now, let me just, let me I'm let me thinking. condense that. Sorry. Just most embarrassing moment that um, you can remember. Ah, most embarrassing moment. I mean, I got suspended in junior high. Few, wow, you are times. one pathetic loser. Right? Um, but <laughs> it was kind of semi-embarrassing because we were doing boys' stuff in the boys' locker room, and one of my friends, to play a joke, kicked open the door, and the cheerleaders were out in the gym, and I essentially mooned <laughs> the entire Kennett Middle School cheerleaders. It's just locker room talk, so, though, right? Yeah, that's right? All, yeah. yeah. That's How about you? Most oh, embarrassing moment. I have so many of them. One of them has to do with uh, <laughs> preaching. I think it was the first time I preached a Sunday at Westside. Um, you remember oh, what I said? Oh, yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and say That's it. so, so great. I, you know when you're trying to marry two thoughts in your head and it comes out as something different? All the time. So I was talking, we were talking about something that equates like, hey, we want to take good things and make them God things. And then I was trying to... Th- the process in my mind was it makes me think about the subject matter of sex. It's something that's right. good that God has given yep. us, but we idolize it and turn it into a God thing. But I also had the, like, hey, this subject comes up all the time, so that language was in my mind. But what came out of my mouth from the pulpit was, I think about sex all the time. And I saw you just crumple in the back seat and grab Matt Blackburn's knee and like, oh my God, why do we let this guy up But then you continued and you were like, wait. That's right. I shot finger guns to my wife. You were like, but- but, Love you, babe, I think is what I said. Yeah, you were like, but with my wife, who's right there in the front row, love you, babe. I have sex with you. No, it was just, she it was, was funny. so red. And was, la- I mean, I will never forget that, but it helps to talk about it. It was great. It helps to bring it about. We are, we are not talking about getting uh, locker room talk or sex from the pulpit. Today we're in Acts 2. We're talking about Pentecost. Yeah, man. We're talking about Pentecost. Over this week and next week, you guys are going to hear two parts um, from Acts chapter 2. Uh, this week we sort of cover 1 through 14-ish, 13. Yep. Next week will be uh, sort of focused on uh, Peter's sermon from, from 14 to 47 through the rest of the uh, through the rest of the passage there. So we're talking today about the rest of the sermon, everything we didn't get to or maybe questions that arose for sure from Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 13. I'm going to read the text really quick and then we will launch right into this. Acts Sweet. chapter 2 beginning in verse 1 reading from the ESV. Here we go. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues, as of fire, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Sorry, my font's a little small. I'm going to go closer here. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Wow. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? 
And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, as they should have been, right? Saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they're filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for his words. So last week we looked at chapter one. Jesus and his disciples are waiting for the promise of the, from the Father and that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And we've arrived here at that moment. This here is in it, chapter man. two. This is it. So um, you opened us up here uh, with, a, with sort of an idea that we're kind of launching into the sermon from moments make movements. Yeah. Moments make movements movements. And you sort of unpacked all of these historical movements, like the Declaration of Independence being signed, the creation of our nation, Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, Bloody Sunday, kind of launching us into everything with civil rights, the 60s movements with Woodstock, we saw some chaos, maybe not anything great coming from those three days. Um, Our journey to the moon was just super cool and awesome, and Steve Jobs introducing the mark of the beast as the iPhone. Just kidding. Um, We've said this, moments, movements have always had a moment that makes them into a movement. So moments create movements. And we sort of see that happening here in the text. We see that like, well, first of all, can we, can we unpack? So you guys, if you're, if you're joining us on Sunday mornings or even on the live stream, you see our intro, our sermon bumper for the book of Acts. And you sort of see how the gospel begins from, from the moment of Pentecost, a sort of a linear line all the way to now. And at the very end of it, we see, was it 5 billion people still don't know Jesus. There's a guy who's done some work for us recently in a book. And I want you to talk about that illustration that you used. And um, there's just the estimation of like how Christianity has spread and maybe where we're at now. Yeah, for sure. So I'll talk a little bit more about it again this week, but, but probably the most common or the most common reference source is by a guy by the name of Rodney Stark. He's a sociologist and has more degrees in Fahrenheit and all of that good stuff. And he just looks at the first 300 to 350 years of Christianity and essentially asks the question, how does it go from a homeless Galilean preacher right. with maybe 120 followers after his death and, according to his terms, supposed resurrection to in 300-ish, 350 years, we see that a majority of the Roman population identified as Christians, which is some 30 million people. And so he has a very famous quote where he talks about it. Christianity didn't grow because of miracles working in the marketplace, although there may have been such of that going on or because Constantine said it should or because the martyrs gave it such credibility. It grew because Christians constituted an intense community. Let's go. And the primary means of its growth was through the united and motivated efforts of the growing numbers of Christian believers who invited their friends, relatives, and neighbors to quote-unquote share the good news. But even then, in his book, he still leaves it hanging like there's got to be something else right. going on. Yeah. And I believe, and, and sort of the thrust of these 14 or 13 verses is, um, and it was sort of kind of our big idea, is that the source of it all is, is the Holy Spirit. Yeah, man. That's the spark. Yeah. That's what, 
is the game changer in all of this. That yeah. Christianity is a supernatural yeah, movement. Amen. Amen. And you quoted John Stott, um, which sort of puts the Holy Spirit as the the person of the 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 Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity into perspective in terms of whether or not he's in focus or not. Without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable. I just thought of the Princess Bride. Inconceivable, (laughs) even impossible. There can be no life without the life giver, no understanding without the spirit of truth, no fellowship without the unity of the spirit, no Christ-likeness of character apart from his fruit, his being the spirit, and no effective witness without his power. As a body without breath is a corpse, a dead man, so the church without the spirit is dead. And so that, that leads me to this question. Has the church lost focus of our awareness of the Holy Spirit? Or maybe I can ask it this way. What are some things that remove our attention from dependency upon the Holy Spirit? Mm. Yeah, I think I'll reference, um, you know, Francis Chan says that nowadays it's really not hard with some lights, decent band, and a guy who can have a coherent thought who's maybe easy to listen to and tell a story. Yeah, He said it's pretty easy to draw a crowd. Yeah, like that, and I think he's he's right on the money. I think um, to answer your question, we rely on ourselves and um, our abilities of what we can do. I mean, mm. human beings can accomplish some pretty incredible things, man. I mean, we've gone yeah. to the moon, we've yeah. done some Have stuff. We though, but at the <laughs> end of the day, um, really, only Jesus can change somebody. Only Jesus can take somebody from death to life. And it's only by the sustaining power of the Holy Spirit can somebody live that life. I mean, it was very hard for me not to continue to just berate us yesterday with the understanding that the only way you can live the Christian life is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, it's not, oh, I'm doing this on my own. Yeah. Oh, I hit a rough patch. Yeah. I need the Holy Spirit. Like, no. Right. We need the Holy Spirit to read our Bible, yeah. to understand. I mean, he wrote it, so we yeah. need him to understand. I mean, from everything to anything, that's yeah. what we need the Holy Spirit for. Yeah, man, that's good. Well, so so we need to have an awareness of that as well, but we also, like, our focus and where our focus lies is also important. Like, sure. you sort of unpacked uh, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and sort of two camps um, that a lot of people find themselves in. And I'd like for you to unpack these again for us because yeah. I think they're really important. We had two of them, an unhealthy overemphasis of the Spirit and then also an unhealthy underemphasis. Can we unpack that with that? Yeah, sure. And, and, and that was primarily, you know, from a pastoral point of view as yeah. I was preaching because in our area— I see those two ditches on either side of the road, if you will. The first yeah. one being an unhealthy overemphasis, yeah. which is, you know, um, oh my gosh, I got my car and I turned it on and it was on 94.5 The Bone and it was playing that song that was played at my grandmother's, you know, and then it's, yeah. and it, the wind blew at the same time and rustled right. these leaves and I thought I heard, Jesus. <laughs> and and I think it's and so it's I mean it's a mystical yeah and and that's say mysticism I mean that's yeah that's essentially what it is it's a secular um, uh, modern day the secret mysticism power yeah. that type of stuff that has greatly um, 
inflected into the church and even so much so that we think our worship services conjure the spirit. Yeah. So what we need is we need to start here yeah. and then we need to drive and then we need the song yeah. and then... And if we don't, then the Holy Spirit doesn't show up. Correct. Or, yeah. Correct. Yeah. So I would call that an unhealthy overemphasis. Yeah. Now, the same is true for an unhealthy underemphasis. And I call this... God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Bible. Right. Because there's denominations and whole people who grew up in our area where it was like, I mean, I don't even really know about the Holy Spirit. I just know that God gave us the Bible. Those spiritual gifts have ceased and the Bible is sufficient enough. Um, I actually was having a conversation with a church member who like third generation had grown up in church. Grandma was like 95 years old, grew up in a very staunch... like legalistic um, denomination. And at 95 years old, looked at her daughter and said, I am so sorry that I got it wrong, that I have taught you wrong about the spirit of God. Wow. I mean, number one, the humility that that takes is is just incredible. But what she was saying was, I grew up with Father, Son, Holy Bible. And there's something in us that that's safe. Yeah. That's, yeah, chapter and verse. Yeah, this is who we're Bible people. But when I see people in the Bible who are Bible people, there is crazy stuff going on. So, yeah, yeah, man, we want to be on the road. We don't want to be in the ditch. Yeah, well, that's that's where that leads us. Like, because the the unhealthy overemphasis and the unhealthy underemphasis are neither biblical. Right. Neither of them are found rooted in scripture. They're sort of a thought process or an idea or maybe even an ideology that's been taken and just ran with and we've sort of created God in our own image in this sense, the God of the Holy Spirit. And so you sort of unpacked for us what that biblical lane looks like through a theology of the Holy Spirit. We have three things. We see it as God's person, as God's presence, and as God's power. The first one is as God's person, the Holy Spirit is fully God and the third member of the Trinity. Yep. Like this is a huge this is a huge concept for us. It's also a great mystery. <laughs> like, sure. Like, but it's something that we embrace, a close-handed issue that, yep. that the Trinity exists, one God and three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why is it important that for us to, and we've talked about this before in the past, but it's essential for today and what we're talking about. Why is it important that we hold the doctrine of, a tri- of the Trinity as a closed-handed issue? Yeah, well, number one, it's extremely um, scriptural. I, yeah. mean, I mean, this is uh, what the Bible speaks of Genesis one, we see God speaking, the spirit hovering, I mean, uh, Jesus's baptism, there's numbers of things. Number two, because of the Orthodox Christian faith that's been handed down to us, this is something that we don't have to reinvent. But number three, I think what's so important about it is, is it keeps the understanding as the spirit as, as God's person. The spirit is not an energy force or it's not, you know, Star Wars, the force or, or the source of everything that the earth is or anything. I mean, it is given a name. It is he, Jesus refers to, you can grieve him. You can quench him. Um, all, I mean, all of these relational terms. And so, um, what we always say is before there was something, there was someone and that someone was God. And the way I've always understood the Trinity is one, what three, who, yeah. One what, God, three who, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so, yeah. No, that's good. Well, and something that just came to mind, it's not my notes or anything to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyways. I've read through um, I've read through articles and, and th- liturgies that I've came across online where, where in the liturgy, 
prayers are being offered and and they mention and reference the spirit as a she. Mm-hmm. What is where does that come from? Yeah. Is that is that accurate? Is it not? Is it something is is it an issue? Is it not? Yeah. I, it's just something that came to my mind. I didn't know if any of our listeners had ever come across that. Yeah. So um, that uh, would be an issue where there's a few times in the Old Testament, God even refers to himself as like a nursing mother who couldn't yeah. forget her child or those type of things like that. They would say, um, and where that stream of thought, and you can also almost just trace it straight to some denominations. Yeah. Um, they would say that the same word in the Old Testament used for the woman is used helper in the New Testament. Um, The problem with that is God. (laughs) And what I mean by that is, is Jesus. Jesus came as a man. And so um, the very likeness and image of God and Jesus refers to the spirit as a he. And so again, that this is where the words of the scripture are are, are really important for us. No, that's good. Thanks for unpacking that. That's helpful. So, so the theology of the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit as God's person, and then we as referring to the Trinity and then as God's presence, the second one here, the Holy Spirit is God, but it's not just God absent or around. It's God with us, God within us. Um, we remember this is in Romans eight. It's mentioned that the same spirit of the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive inside of you. And we're going to ask that here in a little bit, like what, what the importance is of that. But like as God's presence, the Holy spirit is God with us. It resides inside of us, no longer in a temple, no longer behind the veil, no longer just resting on certain individuals at a certain time. So that's a really, really big deal. Huge. Yeah. That we're going to unpack here in a little bit. And then the third one is this as God's power, the theology of the Holy spirit is God's power. The Holy spirit empowered the life of Jesus Christ and also empowers the life of believers. Yep. That's so when you unpacked on Sunday about Jesus living a life of the spirit. Yep. About Jesus Christ living life in step with the person of the Holy Spirit of God. That just blew my mind. Nobody man. ever talks about yeah, it, man. Jesus yeah. didn't perform a miracle or start any of his ministry until his baptism yeah. and he was anointed and appointed by the Spirit. Yeah. Jesus Christ is the Christian life. Yeah. And so we live his life yeah. through the same spirit that enabled him to live that life. Yeah. And so, yeah, man, and people, people, I mean, we're going to talk about it this week. The point of the Holy Spirit is to point to Jesus. Amen. That's it. Yeah. I mean, guys, like it's the spirit loves Jesus yeah. and, and Jesus loves the father and the father loves the, and it's this, as Tim Keller calls it, this dance yeah. and understanding their roles and their purpose. And yeah. I mean, there's harmony here. It's not yeah. chaos in light of that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that made sense because it's really important to understand that yeah. what Luke told us in Acts chapter one is that he recorded all that Jesus began to do. Yeah. Because he didn't finish it. Right. Because he's finishing it through the apostles yeah. and through us. Yeah. And the only way that we can do what Jesus did is through the same power, yeah. which which is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, we see God's person, God's presence, and God's power all there in the text at Pentecost. And we, we unpack those from there. So we see them very clearly in the text. But but here's a question that I think kind of lines up with what you just said in terms of the apostles and, and the work that God is, or that they're joining Jesus yeah. in for the building of the church. With what they experienced at Pentecost, should we try to recreate the events 
mm. that we see in Pentecost, or can we? Right. Like, should we try to recreate the events that we see at Pentecost, or is it even possible? Right, yeah. So it's a big question, and it's such a big question that there's some denominations that have named themselves after this moment, which is great. I have very dear, some of my best friends come from the Pentecostal charismatic faith. And so I think the answer is no and yes. Hmm. Here's why I answer no first and then yes. Um, I answer no because there, there's a there's a tool that we can use when we read the scriptures, and it's is this descriptive or is this prescriptive? Yeah. So what those words are is exactly what they sound like. Yeah. Is this passage describing something like describing the character of God, describing how God moves? Or is this passage prescribing something? Now, what's difficult about the book of Acts is that it moves in and out of those two things in a very fluid way. So, example, Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Hmm. So they've just heard Peter's sermon and they're like, We've got to do something. Yeah. Verse 38, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, for your children, all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. Yeah. Now, that that is Peter prescribing something yeah. in the response of his sermon. Yeah. Repentance, faith, belief, baptism. Yeah. Now, What I see happening at Pentecost in chapter 2, verse 1, is the very first verse. When the day of Pentecost arrived, that is a loaded statement. Because what we understand is that this was an appointed day. It was an appointed feast. You go all the way back to Exodus 19. um, Israelites had a number of feasts that they celebrated This is one of them. It was 50 days after God rescued them from Passover and the parting of the Red Sea to when Moses goes up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments from God. That's 50 days. In Exodus 19, it actually says in the month, the third month or something, it marks it in, in the scriptures. So that tells me that what Pentecost is doing because Jesus for 50 days has been celebrating with his disciples and this, that, and the other, that this is the old covenant is being um, renewed and restored by the new covenant, or the old covenant is being renewed by the new covenant. And that has to happen under the guidelines of the law. Okay. I'm saying all of that to say this, this was a very particular day. Yeah. Okay, they're upstairs, they're in a room because Jesus told them to yeah. in, in the previous chapter. So I think primarily what Acts 2 is doing is it is describing something. Yeah. And it's describing the Spirit of God being poured out on all people. Yeah. Which is a, I mean, it's what we said. This is the moment yeah. that causes the movement of yeah. Christianity. Yeah. But there are some things in the passage that are prescriptive. Yeah. You say, well, how do you know the difference? Yeah. Right? Okay. Where else are these things picked up in the rest of the New Testament and mm-hmm. taught in a prescriptive way? Yeah. Well, I would say Peter's response in verse 38 
is almost a majority of the New Testament. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. It's the Apostle Paul, you're saved by grace through faith. Right. It is bad. I mean, I mean, we see this picked up everywhere else. Yeah. We do not see the first 13 verses in yeah. Acts 2. We see it a couple other times when the Gentiles have it, but again, right. these are specific moments yeah. that are describing God writing the new covenant. Yeah. So I think it's a huge question, yeah. and, and it's a very important one to ask ourselves. Yeah. But again, I, listen, I am not the guy who's like, that happened one time, God, God finalized it, and it's said and done. Right. I, that's not what I'm saying about descriptive and prescriptive. Right. I, I still think that it is describing how God's spirit falls. Yeah. And number one, it falls on anybody. Yeah. That's the purpose of the of, of the multiple languages here. Right. Um, number two, it's it's a gift. It's not earned. That's why it comes down from heaven. Yeah. The apostles don't conjure it. Right. And so, yes, I think it's um showing a lot of things, but primarily I think it's descriptive in yeah. that aspect. No, that's good. That's really and really, good. I really quickly I want to plug two resources yeah. I think that'll help with this. Yeah. Um as we're studying the book of Acts. We're going to be learning a ton about the Spirit, which I think is fan, is awesome. Yeah. Or as the KJV calls it, the Holy Ghost. Okay. <laughs> um, and there is two great resources for you. Um, one at an entry level, and one that's going to be I don't want to say academic, but one that's going to be a little bit more Bible study heavy. Yeah. The first one I would recommend just as an introduction to the Holy Spirit um, is Forgotten God by Francis Chan. Yeah. Great. Um, the subtitle. Uh, reversing your tragic neglect of the Holy Spirit. Love Francis. He's a modern day prophet. Yeah. What that book should do is lead you to this next book, yeah. I think. And the next book is called Baptism and Fullness, The Work of the Holy Spirit Today by one of my favorite guys, John Stott. Yeah. And so I think those two resources would be absolutely phenomenal for yeah. you to begin to read in your devotional time as we're going through this series on yeah, Acts. Yeah, man, that's great. Thanks yeah. for those resources. So in verse 12, we see sort of like a driving question that launches us into the content. Everybody's hearing all these things going on, different languages. They're hearing the works of God being proclaimed and declared, the works of Jesus. And they and they ask, what does all this mean? I love it. In verse 12, what does all of this mean? I just love the Bible. Yeah, man. Let's yeah. be honest and yeah. ask, like, what do we do with this? Yeah. What's, what does this mean? So if the Holy Spirit's the source of the Christian life, what do we get from this source? That was a question that you asked, and you unpack three things for us throughout the text. The power, Holy Spirit is power from the outside, fullness on the inside, and a message that's worldwide. So let's unpack that very first one. The thing that we get from the source as the Holy Spirit is power from the outside. Yeah. Look at verses one through three. When the day of Pentecost arrived, we just unpacked that massive statement, which we could spend for a whole podcast series <laughs> on. They were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Mighty rushing wind. Uh, and, I had yeah. to. Sorry. And that's rushing. It's yes. not a wind that came from Russia. Right. Uh, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. That's that's verses one through two. And so uh, I love how you unpack this a little bit because there are a lot of things that we... Words are very important in the Bible. Yep. The words that are chosen, the words are specific. We love the ESV because it's a word-for-word -word translation. We also say that the best Bible translation is the one that you'll read. So find, yes. find a Bible, read a Bible. But when it comes to this passage... We need to be very careful about how we pick apart these words and sort of analyze what Luke is describing to us. Yep. Can you do that for us here? What we see, like, was it an actual wind? Were there actual tongues of all that stuff? Can we yeah. talk about that? So I think something supernatural is happening here, and Luke is is reaching for some language and some biblical language that he knows. But in verse two, it says, "And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like 
yeah. a mighty rushing wind. And it was a sound. Yeah. So like, was it wind? Right. I, I yeah. don't know. Um, it just says that it was like that. But I think what he's describing is power. Yeah. That's that's what's happening um, here in this moment. And later on, it, it says tongues as of fire. Yeah. Like, so was there little fire emojis above their heads? <laughs> you know, no, I don't think so. But again, never get that image out of my you know, head. we'll talk about what the fire image is. But yeah, yeah, Luke's describing something. He says that it's like wind and and we understand that to be some sort of power that's yeah. taking place here. Yeah, no, that's good. Well, I use an illustration about your aunt who was in Florida and a hurricane comes through and, and even though her house is totally sealed up and, and built to withstand hurricane winds and rains, there was still this a wind mighty enough to blast water into the home through all Dude, that ceiling it didn't just blast water. I didn't say this Sunday. She has a rail that goes from her house out onto the beach and it's painted a certain yeah. color, but like steel. It the sa- it took the sand from the beach. It sandblasted the... And <laughs> sandblasted the rail like you oh would at gosh. a factory. Yeah. The, the, the fact... Or the rail's raw... It's just raw steel now. There's wow. no coating on it whatsoever. Wow. That's how brutal yeah. it was outside, yeah. you know, yeah. in so, light of that. So very clearly what the disciples were experiencing in the upper room in that moment was power. Yeah. Was, <clears throat> was raw power. And so you said the application was this. The power of God comes from outside of us yes. to live inside, which is a monumental statement. Well, and, and, and it comes from the text. Luke yeah. says that it came from heaven. Yeah. So it's coming up, it's coming yeah. down, it's coming yeah. down, which is significant. Yeah. Well, I, and I love that you explained it. <coughs> Excuse me. I got something in my throat. Tell a joke. <laughs> no, I, I think the reason why it's so su- so significant is is that it comes from outside of us yeah. is because that's the opposite of everything in the culture, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's happening again. I love it. Here, take a drink of my water if you need to. That if you see this can in our photo, it's not a Miller Light. It's a it's a water it's called a liquid, liquid death. death. Yeah, it's I'm really get interesting. What the kids call a waterfall. Out right. Of this. I love um, it. Let's. I'm going to drink this while you talk about this. You explained that Samson. Um, in, in the Old Testament, the Spirit rested on him or rushed yeah. upon him. In the Holy of Holies, we see the Spirit only residing behind the curtain yep. as the residing place or on the mercy seat where God meets with Moses. Can we talk about how monumental it is that when Paul says to the Romans in Romans 8, verse 11, the Spirit of him, that's the Holy Spirit, of him who raised Jesus from the dead, now dwells in you. Right. I mean, like, talk about how monumental that is with, with the knowledge of, of the Old Testament and knowing that the Holy Spirit was something that was not accessible only by sure. few people and by wearing certain things and saying and doing certain things and, and yeah, all of that. Talk about yeah. that. So, I mean, I think the storyline almost of the Bible can be summarized, you know, God for us, God with us, God in us, God through us. And the significance of it was is that God's Spirit it rested on Samson or Daniel or these guys in these moments. Yeah. His spirit dwelt in the Holy of Holies behind this giant 20-foot curtain, and nobody could go back there except the high priest once a year and just all of that type of stuff. And now what we see is that spirit lives in us, that yeah. God has made us his temple. And the significance of that separates Christianity from all other religions in the world, and especially from the Old Testament Jewish roots of Christianity, where God was 
just, uh, you know, this pillar of fire and like all of this stuff, yeah. it was almost unapproachable. Yeah. But now the idea that that power is inside of us tells me something if I reverse engineer that. Yeah. If the power's now in me, that means that I didn't have Correct. power in me. Yeah. And what Christianity says first <clears throat> and foremost is that we are broken on the inside. Yeah. Change happens from the inside out, yeah. not the outside in. Right. And so it's significant that now this power is from the outside has now come in on the inside. Yeah. Well, Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is deceitful above all things and really sick, desperately sick. Who can understand it? Right. I love that because it really paints the the problem with the human condition is there's nothing good within us. We have an internal problem. Yeah. And so you talked about that a little bit and uh, using an illustration about therapy. Um, Lori Gottlieb in a New York Times article uh, titled, What Brand is Your Therapist? Basically unpacked, nobody wants to buy therapy and nobody wants to buy it anymore. They want to buy a solution to a problem. Yeah. Nobody wants to work on themselves. Yeah. And it, it the quote at the end of your illustration is because they wanted some someone or something else to change. Yep. She, she said, I see fewer and fewer people coming in and saying, I want to change or I need to change. And I love that distinction there because that shows who we are apart from the Holy Spirit. And even with the Holy Spirit, we rely and depend on him for that inward change, yes. for the fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of those, I love that we don't have self-control without the Spirit. Right. <laughs> and, and listen, the storyline of this is a majority of these people are the ones who abandoned Jesus. Yeah. They didn't have power right. before this, right. but now they do have power, yeah. which lets us know that that power comes from the outside, not right. the inside. Side. Well, I want to talk about that external internal focus because Jesus said in Luke 9, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's like die to yourself language, right? Sure. And and what, what Jesus was doing when he spoke to the rich young ruler, he says a summarization of the law is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the next thing is radical, love your neighbor as yourself. So thinking of this quote from the New York Times article, and this passage of how we live out this life of dying to ourselves with a focus on God and others, more of love on God and others. How as Christians do we move from the focus of conviction from external, I want or need them to change, to internal, I need change, I need help, I need healing? For sure. Fill in the blank. How do we move that focus? Yeah, I think it's a good question because <clears throat> I think was, a lot of us are in different seasons of relationships. We're like, we're, we're like okay. I am working on myself here. Maybe my spouse isn't, but at what point do I engage that or right. do I just stay? And I think um, a very humbling and a very centering thing, it was actually um, a part of our call to worship on Sunday was what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy, where he says that this saying is trustworthy and true, that Jesus Christ came in the world to save sinners, of which I am the foremost. Yeah. I think the moment you forget you're the foremost yeah. is the moment that you start blurring lines on all of that. That's good. So I think when the gospel is always first and foremost for you, yeah. then it is for anybody else, yeah. for your kids, for your spouse, or for anything like that. Yeah. I think that is the answer when it's for you yeah. before it's for anybody else. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Absolutely, man. Not them. So the application from that was the first step to being a Christian is confessing 
addressing the fact that you're broken on the inside and only God has the power to make you whole. That's it. That's good news, man. That's good news for a broken and lost world where we're constantly trying to fix ourselves all the time. So yep. felt the second so the first one we saw that we derived from the Holy Spirit was power from the outside. The second one you walked us through was fullness on the inside. Yeah. Fullness on I love the word that, that he uses. They were filled in verse four. Yep. In verse three it says in divided tongues as of fire. So not Maybe it was flame emojis, who knows? <laughs> Appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And then verse four, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit yep. and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I love that you broke down like what fire is symbolic of in the Old Testament of God's presence, the burning bush, the burning torch with Abraham, Daniel um, in the fiery furnace with his cronies, and then Jesus was right. there, Moses on Mount Sinai, the pillar of fire, all of that. And um, I love that you asked the question, what does it mean that it's resting on them? Because you drew a parallel to, to Jesus's baptism in Matthew chapter three. Yeah. And I, 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 I want to talk about that for a minute because, as you said earlier, as we've talked about, Jesus lived the Christian life. Jesus lived the life that was led by the Holy Spirit and in step with the Spirit. So can we talk about what it means to to kind of draw in that implication from Matthew 3 of what it means that the Spirit is resting on the disciples in this moment? Yeah, um, it was just kind of what we talked about, the idea of God's presence. Yeah. Fire is always a symbol of that. Yeah. But I think it's always helpful to ask ourselves, like, where else do we see this? Right. We let Scripture interpret Scripture. Yeah. Where else do we see such a significant moment with the filling of the Spirit? And yeah. when you go back to Jesus's baptism, you see a ton of those parallels parallels there. But what happens at Jesus's baptism is God the Father saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Mm. And then when I cross-reference you know, and, and go, okay, where else in the rest of scripture, I'm looking at this baptism thing, I'm looking at this spirit thing, what's the point and what's the reason, where else is that in scripture? You're going to land at Romans 8 and it yeah. says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Mm. And so, like, the, the sentence that I said to sort of, like, summarize all of this was, when it comes to your salvation, God the Father planned it, God the Son paid for it, and yeah. God the Holy Spirit applies it. Yeah. And what they are experiencing is the application yeah. of the power and fullness and presence of God. Yeah. And that's what we understand, you know, spirit baptism sort yeah. of um to be but i i kind of need to split a little bit of hairs here yeah um because we're moving into that question what is the baptism of the yeah uh, i think so, so. well th that's language that you've probably heard of like absolutely like if you live in the bible belt you may have come across a denomination where someone asks you are you saved okay great have you been filled with the spirit have you been baptized with the spirit that's like the second question that and, follows up like, and and they'll make the statement like <clears throat> hey guys this sunday we're having water baptism right because some sundays yeah. we might have spirit baptism right. or something yeah. like that so knowing that language is out there baptism sure. of the holy spirit i mean it's also biblical language we see that in the in the text but yeah. what really is the baptism of, so so i mean that application the Holy Spirit applies our salvation. Yeah. But when it comes to what the disciples experience, what really is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Yeah. So I think, <clears throat> and, and, and I'm going to land in the theological camp with, with this statement. I think when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we have one baptism with many fillings. Mm. And what I mean by that is, I think upon the moment of your conversion, you get 
all of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The question is, does the Holy Spirit have all of you? Ooh. And I think that's the rest of the Christian life yeah. of maturity and awareness into that. And where that comes from is Ephesians chapter four, verse four, where it says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is in all. Yeah. The second reason why I land there is because I never see in the rest of the New Testament a command or an exhortation yeah. to be baptized in the Spirit. Yeah. What we do see, like in Ephesians 5.15 or 5.18, is do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the yeah. Spirit. Yeah. And so there are times because of grievance sin in my life or because of not following uh, the Holy Spirit's leading or this, that, and the other in my life that I am not to the fullest capacity of my awareness of mm. the very presence, power, and person of God. Yeah. But the command is to be filled with that. Yeah. And the way that we are filled with that is obviously going back to the scriptures and doing that. So to answer the question... No, I do not believe that you uh, that the scriptures teach. Let me be very careful. I don't believe that the scriptures teach that you quote unquote get saved, confess yeah. your sins, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then there is a subsequent moment yeah. where you are then washed over with the Spirit. Yeah, I believe that there are moments and times where we are filled with the Spirit yeah. and more awareness and operating in our giftings. But again. I believe what the disciples are experiencing in Acts chapter 2 is more descriptive than it is prescriptive. Yeah. Well, and we even see, like, we can con conjoin this with Scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want you to understand that no one is speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except for the, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. That's it. The Spirit being alive inside of them. And so you have, in order for you to confess your sins yeah. and say Jesus is Lord— um, in a way that is through faith, and the faith is what connects us to God, yeah. is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah. The first thing the human heart says when they're saved is Jesus is Lord, and that comes from the Spirit. 100%. Yeah, man. So we see the things that we derive from the Holy Spirit is the power from the outside and fullness on the inside. And the last thing was this, a message that is mission worldwide. I know, dude. I, I kept thinking the same thing. <laughs> Mr. 305, Mr. Worldwide. Uh, it's, but it's I super it. clear, super emphasized in this text that everyone is hearing the gospel in their own language. And like, let me say this. I would say that, and, and man, it's what it's what makes preaching, and I'm so glad we have this podcast, yeah. and it's what makes it so hard is like, I've got to deal with other stuff. This is the thrust of the text. Yeah. The outpouring of the Spirit yeah. by far, and then, I mean, look at how many times it says wait, this is in our language. Right. Wait, this is in our language. Yeah. Wait, and then he lists the languages right. down there. Yeah. Absolutely, this is the thrust of Pentecost. Yeah, well, at, at Pentecost, by God's grace, he saw it fit to fill the disciples with the Holy Spirit and then use supernatural means to communicate the gospel across these languages that people yep. can understand. So we know that happens. In what ways now does the Holy Spirit empower us to share the gospel with those around us? Mm. Like maybe it's, I mean, maybe you do get, um, what, what's the language, Rosetta Stone, or you get right. like, maybe yeah, you sure. get something and learn and all of that, but that, that's just as much spirit empowered as anything else. But in, in what ways does the Holy Spirit empower us now to share the gospel with those around us? Like say our friends, families, and community, whether it's supernatural or, yeah. or it doesn't seem so. Yeah, I think first and <laughs> foremost, what's supernatural here is, and listen, man, I've talked to missionaries and I've, and I've 
heard of these things happening, of someone being in a foreign country, there being an intense situation that's happened, and then somebody has shared the gospel. And in that moment, they thought they were just talking. Right. And then afterwards, somebody comes up to them and is like, hey... Um, you just spoke in our dialect, right? And, and so I don't know. I mean, that's yeah. awesome. That's great to me. Yeah. And and the reason why is because it's so closely tied to the gospel. Yeah. And salvation. And I think for us today, the Spirit can lead us in a number of ways. I mean, I'll just share this personally. Courtney and I, um, about a year ago, this time when I got to go on a, a sabbatical, and we were up in St. Louis, and we were walking in a downtown section, and Courtney went inside this shop, and I was outside. And I heard this girl talking on the phone, and it was just, her life was miserable, like miserable, miserable. And she was clearly arguing with her significant other, and I just, my heart was broken. And so whenever Courtney came out, I said, hey, listen, I just think we're supposed to go up here, and we're just supposed to pray for this young lady. I don't know. I just really feel it. I feel very, I feel very aware of her need for God. Yeah. Like I that's the only way that I could describe yeah. that. And so went up and was like, Hey, I'm so sorry. I don't want to be a psycho, yeah. but what is your name? And I'll never forget. She goes, Why? <laughs> Which now that I think back is a really smart response, <laughs> yeah. dude. Like and so um I don't know you, that's yeah, my purse. She was like, yeah. Why? And I said, hey, listen, um, my wife and I are Christians and I just I'm so sorry. I heard you on the phone. Long story short, I just want you to know that you're loved by God, that you're created on purpose with a purpose, and we would love to pray for you. And is there anything that we can pray for you about? And she discussed some things with us, and we just got to let her know that Jesus loved her. Yeah, man. And and I think in my life, and again, this is my life, and so I'm not making this as the standard. Right. Most of the time, it is a, a, a heightened awareness. Yeah. A, a deep connection, um, Neo in the matrix, if yeah. you will, of what is going on. Like I see this person, but I see this person yeah. to a way and a glimpse that they are created in the image and likeness of God. And then that prompting of you need to speak. Yeah. You need to say something to this person about Jesus. Good luck. Here you go. <laughs> right. You know, type of a thing yeah. like that. So yeah, that's well, and what's great is that she, you guys weren't in a church, like yeah, no. in a church environment. You were yeah. just out and about in St. Louis and you overheard something. And that that's, in, in my opinion, that's supernatural, bro. Like that's, that's something that, that the Holy Spirit placed on your heart, heightened your awareness, everything that you were saying. And that moment was met with the love of Jesus through you guys. Yeah, but for fantastic. me, I, you know, I grew up in more, and, and my tendency is to lean more towards the Father, Son, Holy Bible right. background. And so for me, I'm learning in this. When it yeah. comes to those two backgrounds, what would you say for you was most prominent? Was it the overemphasis, underemphasis? What yeah. did that look like for you? Well, I, that journey has changed for me over the years because the Lord saved me in a in a in a very unstructured, organic style worship service church. Praise um, God, he saved so, you, man. Yeah, he said Amen. at a young age by his grace and, and wisdom and mercy. Um, and so in that moment, I would have been uh, very far removed from the scriptures, very young in life, and just sort of going wherever I felt the wind carrying me. Sure. I would attribute it to the Holy Spirit. I was the kid who was like, I ran over a nail today, so the devil's yeah. out to get me. Sure. Um, and so that was a, an unhealthy overemphasis. And then as 
gotten on in life, deep love for the scriptures and all of that, I have found myself kind of swaying in the other side. And I think so now, uh, if I'm not careful, I find myself in that other camp of the underemphasis. Sure. So, um, so that's very much so kind of in my journey on both. But also, I mean, the, I grew up Church of Christ, like the the most, I guess, prohibitive and... They're cessationists. Yeah, yeah. so that I, I grew up in that and then received salvation from the Lord at the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Continuous, and, yeah. Yeah, and then my, my walk with the Lord has just kind of been everywhere on that spectrum in between. And been, for our listeners, <clears throat> the words that I just used, there's two sort of theological camps when it comes to the work and understanding and the giftings of the Spirit. The first one being cessationism, which is exactly what the word sounds like. Ceasing. That these yeah. gifts have ceased, and they have ceased upon the end of the apostolic age and the canonization of Scripture. Yeah. So what we have is God's perfect inspired will. Now, the strengths of this are obviously God's word. Yeah. I mean, that is, that, that's a great strength. Yeah. The danger is a Phariseeism where you search the scriptures to find life, but you don't realize that they testify and yeah. point to me. Yeah. Um, and then there is continuists, <laughs> which are biblical Christians. Yeah. And, um, continuous would be this, and there's subcategories in this, but that that the spirit still gives gifts and there's still supernatural yeah. things that are happening. Yeah, so, no, yeah. that's good. Well, the whole the, you said the application for the message that's worldwide is that the whole gospel is for the whole world. Yeah, man. And you used an illustration that... Um, um, that I think is awesome, and I think may have also been scary to a lot of yeah, people sure. like early on. Uh, so I know when people hear this, you talked about the the Grace Muslim Initiative, yep. and, and they have a section within that called the JAQ, Jesus and the Quran. Yep. Um, so I know when people hear this for the first time, they're maybe sort of taken aback. Uh, we believe the Lord. It's in just the, because people don't like seeing the word Jesus and Quran next yeah, to each other. Yeah. Because or it's let's not be honest, Fox even News. the word Muslim. Yeah, like let's 100%. be honest about that. So 100%. we believe. Uh, we believe that God in his sovereignty has ordained our joining the Grace family. Amen. We're super thankful to be part of this wonderful family of churches. And one would probably ask, why do we need to focus on the people of the Muslim faith? Why does that matter? I'd like to talk about that for just yeah. a minute. Why is it important that one of the things that we join when we join the Grace family is the missional heart for this specific group of people, the Muslim yeah. community? So the backstory is this, is um, one of the founding yeah. movements of the original Grace Church, Buddy Hoffman, yeah. was praying, fasting, and seeking God for their church's um, worldwide missions initiative. Yeah. Felt like he wasn't getting very much clarity. And as he's praying and as he's seeking God... September the 11th, 2001 happens, yeah. and he realizes, whoa, yeah. this is all over the news. Yeah. All of a sudden, we're at war in the Middle East. Who are, like, what Muslim, like, right. that was just a subcategory of right. language. Now it's the number one most Googled thing. Right. And so he realized this, this is... This is of God. Yeah. I'm praying and asking for a worldwide missions initiative, yeah. and we're getting ready to go to war with this country. Yeah. Let's go. And literally hopped on a plane with yeah. a group of guys. He was at ground zero, serving. figured this yeah. stuff out. And yeah. so um, the Grace Family of Churches has always had an initiative on that. And what's so funny is once we started this conversation with our church, there was a little bit of unknown. I don't want to say pushback. It was just unknown. Yeah. Like, hey, we're in Popper Bluff, man. There's not even a point oh, 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 right. 2%. Yeah. Which, number one... They're scared to come here. Well, number one, it's our worldwide initiative. Yeah, right. So it's, the point is that yes. it's not here. Yeah. Um, number two, as the for our third town hall meeting was two weeks before that, or uh, two weeks after our last town hall, 
President Biden um, announced that he was pulling our troops out. And the word Afghanistan and Muslim and everything was all over the news. And I was like, here we are again. And so we really believe that the whole gospel is for the whole world. The largest um, religion outside of either Roman Catholicism or Protestant Christianity um, is the uh, Islamic faith. And so per every Roman, my child, who's a white male, there are three Islamic boys on the planet. Wow. And so from population and everything like that, and I love what Grace's initiative is. It's not, they don't like, and I lo- I'm having to learn this language when it comes to conversion. Yeah. Conversion means that you get removed out of your context. Yeah. We never see Jesus do that a majority of the time. Yeah. He sends people back. Yeah. So they call it catalysts, yeah. which means sharing the gospel. I mean, I mean the orthodox gospel, man, yeah. the repent, believe Jesus, death, burial, resurrection, yeah. and that person then becoming a catalyst in the Muslim movement yeah. to go and then convert other people. Yeah. And we see our roots and our heritage of that traced all the way back to Acts 2. Yeah. That's so awesome, man. Yeah, man. I'm so glad to be a part of that. You guys, will, you'll, you guys will absolutely be hearing more about that in ways that we can partner and pray and engage in yep. that initiative as well to help bring catalysts for Jesus in the Muslim world. So the things that we derive from the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, power from the outside, fullness on the inside, and a message that is worldwide. And we set our big idea again, the source of the Christian life of all of this is the Holy Spirit. Yes. I absolutely love the three questions. Two of them are becoming more familiar with you guys, if you've heard them already. But the first one that we closed out our service with was this. Do you believe the Holy Spirit in just a moment can cause a movement in your life. Yep. Do you believe that? Maybe already the answers of what those moments are in your life are already coming to and your mind. And don't look right at over the ordinary moments because <clears throat> yeah. they're up in an upper room yeah. on an ordinary day, yeah. ordinary people, yeah. and God does extraordinary things, Amen. man. And then the last two, we're, we've been asking these and we're going to ask them throughout the Acts series and probably um, for the foreseeable future. What's the Spirit of God saying to you as you hear this today? What's the Spirit of God saying to you from His Word when you look at these passages and look at Acts chapter 2 when we are studying this? And then lastly, what are you going to do about it? What's the action that's going to be put into place in your life? Is it Maybe it's dying to yourself. Maybe it is thinking of the change that needs to happen within you, empowered by the Holy Spirit more so than the change that needs to happen outside of you. What are you going to do about it? So I'm going to read, close us out right here from Romans chapter 8, and then we'll give you guys a few announcements, and then we will bounce and let you go. Romans chapter, I'm sorry, uh, Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34 is what I'm going to read from. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Verse 33, here it is. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. None of this is possible apart from the Holy Spirit, guys. We want you to take that. Come back next week for Acts chapter 2, part 2. we got some exciting things coming up. Uh, So we've got our continuation of... 
our Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Yep. Uh, one service at 10 a.m. If you yep. come at 9 a.m., we'll put you to work. So this please Sunday, come early. we've got um, family worship. <laughs> yep. And this Sunday, we are going to be providing some child care for kids that I believe are four and under. Yeah. And so the nursery and all of that stuff will still be taking place. There will yep. be one little bitty class for the little bitty guys. But family worship's the time for when we all get together and the kids' side kids get to come in and we uh, worship Jesus together. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Keep an ear out for some dates that are coming. Um, we got Fall Fest coming up next yep. month. That's going to be super fun. And uh, Westside men and Westside women are going strong right now. Yep. Westside women is Monday nights at 630. If you want to get to know a group of women better, become close friends in community with other women who love Jesus and spur you to love Christ more, go to Westside women. And the same thing for Westside men. Guys, it's a short season. We only I was counting the calendar. We only have about eight weeks left in Westside men and Westside women. Yep. So make sure you come, get involved, and we want you guys to build relationships with one another, and that's super powerful. Uh, it's been really great at Westside Men the last Amen. couple weeks, man. We're really Amen. enjoying that. All right, anything else? I, think, I don't think we have anything That's else. That's it, buddy. All right, we love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us for the rest of the sermon. As always, may everything that we do and say be all about Jesus. We love you guys. Blessings. Blessings.